I have to share with you just uh, my first experience with Kayla because it's so awesome. And I mean, I knew her family, I knew her mom and dad. Um, I, di I didn't really know her. And her and her cousin, Melissa, came out to one of our staff retreats one, one year. And I knew Melissa because she had come through children's ministry here, and she was she loved God with her whole heart. I knew her. She was a worshiper. So what happened up there didn't surprise me about her. But I didn't know Kayla. <laughs> and those two young ladies that were in their teens started worshiping the Lord together. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I just sat there and go, whoa. Because I didn't really, I mean, I knew who her parents were, okay. But I didn't know Kayla. And my first impression was, oh my gosh, she loves God. She loves God, and that passion for God was coming out in her worship. And I was just blown away. I never told you that, but I'm just going, my gosh, what a passion. What a worshiper. You know, that was way back in the teen years, and I don't know when it was exactly. But it hasn't changed. It's grown. Because those of you that know Kayla and, and you've, you know her personally, you know her heart for God is just unbelievable. Mm. She has such a passion for the Lord. And then when she worships, this is what's so incredible, whether you're on stage leading or back up or standing with the congregation she worships God, and her passion for God is so overwhelming, it just draws you in to go with her into the throne room. It does, really. I'm not just saying that. It does. It just engages you to come with me. Come with me. Let's go be in the Father's throne room. And so if you don't know Kayla, you are in for a treat today, and your first impression is probably going to be the same what mine was when I first met her. Because her love for the Lord just, she can't help it. It just comes out of her. She, I don't know if she could even stop it if she tried. <laughs> but she does. She has such a passion for the Lord. And who knew back then that she was going to be our youth minister's wife? Who knew we were going to have a Hungarian for a youth pastor? Okay. Don't you just love God, how he does things? He's just always surprising you, right? Yeah. But who knew back then that yes. you'd be here with us today? Thank Praise you. God. So let's give a warm welcome for Kayla. You've never, hello, check, check, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, okay, that's the first that I've heard of that. I think I was 13 and Melissa was maybe 11. Maybe we were younger, I don't remember, yeah. But I remember we watched little Beth and Tommy and I don't know how well we did, sorry, Carrie. <laughs> I, I don't know, we were just supposed to be there and play with them, but. Um, yeah, so I love worshiping the Lord. That has nothing to do with what I'm speaking about, but um, just as we were all worshiping as well, I'm also a choir director, and so um, as I was just worshiping, I, I normally always sing, 100% singing, uh, and I had to stop and just listen to you guys sing, and I'm weeping. I'm like, this is the most beautiful bride ever. Um, yeah, just I was so blown away at um, the Bride of Christ, and that's you. Um, and whether you think you have a beautiful voice or not, it didn't matter, it was beautiful. Like, I think I made my napkin soaking wet, because I was just, yeah. Um, so, thank you for giving your hearts. Um, our band teacher says that people don't hear 
um, the mistakes you make, they hear your heart. And he was talking about with music, but it's the same with anything, that you know, when you're speaking or doing whatever, they're not gonna hear the mistakes that you make, they hear your heart that you share. So, wasn't on my notes at all, but that was uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, let's just open in prayer, and then we'll get started. I'm so excited. Okay. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you that you're already here. We just thank you that you love this body of believers. You love these women so, so much. And I just thank you for what an honor it is, what a humbling honor it is to be able to speak your words. And I just thank you, Lord, that... um, that you're the teacher, Holy Spirit, that you teach beyond what I say, you teach beyond what I do, and I just thank you, Lord, that um, each person is gonna leave encouraged, they're gonna leave with um, just a sense of value, how you see them, um, and how, how they can see you, and how that reflects, and how they see others. And so I just thank you that, um, yeah, that they would value themselves, they would value each other, that they would value you the way that it was meant to be, and that the enemy has already lost. Um, We already have victory, and so we just thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, um, who am I, and how did I get here? That's what I'm starting. (laughs) Pastor Karen talked a little bit about that before, but Um, Rick and Chris are my parents. There's your mention, Dad. He's like, you're going to mention me, right? Um, So (laughs) that's the only time he gets mentioned. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, born and raised in Wisconsin. They were worship leaders. We... They just had a passion and a calling on their life to um, help out churches and help lead worship. And so I didn't ever grow up going to one church. It was like, we're helping churches, that's what we do. Um, And worshiping, and we're helping, yeah, we're helping grow this community of of worshipers. Um, And we came here, I think, for about eight years, and I felt like everyone always asked us, oh, is this your first time here? Because we didn't really get plugged in. It was just like, we came here on Sundays. I had my, my family and relatives that went here, um, and then we would leave, and just didn't really get plugged in. Um, we were going to a different youth group in River Falls, um, and about ninth grade, we left River Valley to help church plant again with leading worship. And um, when I was in high school is when I got really involved with leading, uh, with missions trips. And so that's been um, something on my heart that the Lord's put on my heart is leading worship and mission trips. And so, um, and actually is in eighth grade, was when I remember hearing the verse, go into all nations and preach the gospel. Like it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go into all the nations and I was supposed to go and preach the gospel and lead worship. That's just what I, I knew from a young age. And um, so I went on a couple missions trips in high school and, and then I went to Oral Roberts University, which is in Oklahoma, and got a music education degree there. Um, and went on three more missions trip, Dominican Republic, California, I know it's in America, but California and India, uh, it, was a, it was a missions trip, yeah. Actually, it was with, if you guys have ever heard of Mercy Ministries, um, it's, 
I can't think of the person who leads it, but it's, it's a free organization where women from all around the country can come in um, who are dealing with drugs, alcohol, um, anorexia, bulimic, anything, and they can come in anonymously and no one has to know where they are and they just get help for free. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a Christian organization. So we got to go there, that was wonderful. Um, yeah, so my time in India was after my senior year of college. Um, I was leading a team of about nine worship leaders, and we had, I had just graduated, and we took over this team from ORU to India for four weeks, and we were going to help out a prayer house. Um, and this prayer house is amazing. It's like in the middle of Bangalore, India, which was so chaotic, and we went, went into this prayer house, and it felt like home already. It was like, oh, presence of God is here. Okay, good. Like, you could just relax, even though you didn't know anyone there. And so we were there for four weeks just helping them because they did 24-7 hour prayer and worship. And so we just came in to help support them during that time. And it was so phenomenal um, just to see people worshiping the Lord um, in such a unique but powerful way that are on the completely opposite side of the world. Um, So when I was there, I had no idea what I, like, what I was doing next. I just graduated from college and had no plans. Um, So when I was in India, I was like, you know what? I think there's a job opening in India to teach music. And so I applied for it. I was like, yep, I'm gonna apply for this. I I don't know if my dad knew, oh, see, dad's second mention, woo-hoo. No, when I was telling him what I was gonna talk about, he's like, oh, when I said, yeah, I applied for a job in India, he's like, oh, praise the Lord, you didn't get it. Like, the Lord heard my answer, or my, my prayers. Um, yeah, because I didn't get it. But when I was over there, I just was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to stay here. Like, maybe the rest of my team's supposed to go back, because I have this heart for missions. And um, so the, for all four weeks, I'm like, oh, what should I do, what should I do? The last week, um, I remember was during a prayer service and I was laying there worshiping and I just heard the Holy Spirit. Oh, because there's no chairs. You just get to sit on the ground. It was awesome. We should do that sometime. But we're sitting and, <laughs> no, I heard someone say, uh, we'll have chairs for those who want it. Um, anyways, um, what was I saying? Okay, I was sitting there and I heard the Holy Spirit go, I just want you to rest. I want to show you something. And I was like, okay. And so he kind of takes me through this series of um, a vision, and he, Jesus, was walking in front of me, and he's, he's motioning for me to follow him, and I was like, okay, Lord, like, yeah, I will go wherever you want me to go. Here we go, and so I'm, whew, I'm not gonna cry. I'm following him, like, yes, here I come, Jesus, like, wherever you wanna go in the whole world, and um, so I start following him, and then all of a sudden, I don't see him anymore, and he's up on, on this, like, Harris, and he's shouting down to everyone, and, you know, he's proclaiming this message. I don't even remember what words. I just remember he was, like, shouting. I was like, whoa, like, this is not just sweet Jesus. This is, like, powerful Jesus, and I was just watching, and, and, then, um, and then all of a sudden, everything went away, and I just heard him say, Kayla, I want you to go back to America, and I want you to tell them about my heart for them. And it, it shattered me, you guys. And to you, it might be like, why? America's great. 
I wanted nothing to do with America. I wanted everything to do with the world. Like, I'm gonna go out to the nations. This is what I'm doing. And he goes, no, go back to America. Uh, And I just remember weeping for who knows how long. Like, I know this is so you, but I so don't wanna do this. And I remember him telling me, like, I will bring your husband if you go back to America. I was like, don't worry. Like, okay. Um, And he did. But um, it's fun to look back hindsight, right? Not really in the moment. Um, So when, so that week, what's even cooler is the next day, this guy pulls me aside from India and he goes, Kayla, I, I need to tell you something. I haven't told you this whole month but the first day you guys got here, you were up on stage, and I had this vision of you, and you were actually this little girl, and you went up to this preacher and you said, can I please speak into the mic? And you you put it up into your mouth and you said, you need to know the heart of the Father. And you just kept saying it, and it was to your own people, it was to your people in America. And he's telling me this the next day after I had just had that vision and he'd waited all four weeks. It's okay, it was perfect timing. I didn't know first, but um, anyway, so where am I on my notes? I have no idea. But, um, oh, the reason why that was so difficult coming back to America is because I found I had put my purpose and my value into something that wasn't actually my value, it wasn't actually my purpose. So, um, anyway, so I came back to America, I had, I was terrified, but I knew like, okay, this is what the Lord put on my heart. Um, And even though I feared not doing something that he actually wanted me to do. I don't know if you guys ever, had that where you, you're like afraid you're gonna not do what God has called you to do. That's kind of what I was dealing with. Um, so um, I came back to Wisconsin and I knew in my heart that I was supposed to be in Minnesota. I just knew, I don't know why, I just knew I was supposed to be in Minnesota. My parents were like, okay, third one, dad. Um, okay, you're supposed to, uh, or why don't you get your Wisconsin teaching license because I was in Oklahoma and I was like, I'm supposed to do it in Minnesota. I just feel like I'm supposed to get my Minnesota license. They're like, okay. And um, so then I, I went into teaching at Stillwater, kindergarten through sixth grade, uh, public schools. I knew it was right for the time, but not forever. And, and I was able to do, because of that, I was able to continue to do missions trips on the summer. So for the next couple of years, I was able to go to Honduras and South Africa. Um, and it just... It was like, okay, Lord, I, I'm kind of seeing, like, I still get to do these mission strips, even though I'm here in America. Um, and when I came back from South Africa, I had asked the Lord, like, okay, what's next? And I heard him say, look for a house in New Richmond. And I was like, I'm going to buy a house. And my parents were like, oh, no, like, oh, you're not ready to buy a house. I was like, yeah, I'm supposed to look for a house, buy a house. Well, I didn't buy a house, but what happened was um, I started talking to my friends who were um, teaching in New Richmond, and they were like, oh, so you wanna look for a house in New Richmond? Well, we're not, we're not gonna move to New Richmond, but we actually wanna live in Hudson. Do you wanna move in with us? Like, oh, okay, sure, that makes sense. So 
it ended up working out that he didn't say move, buy a house, right? He said look for a house. So I was able to move to Hudson um, and um, yeah, meet a whole different, a different local church community group, which was great. And um, right when I moved in December 2018 uh, is when, actually the Thanksgiving before that is when Myrna and Roger Eilers asked Melissa, would Kayla ever go on a blind date? And I overheard, and I was like, yes, I would. <laughs> and um, and, so <laughs> and uh, she's like, okay, well, we'll, I have someone I really want to set you up with. I was like, okay, sure, why not? Um, I had never been on a blind date before, uh, but it sounded fun. So that January is when I go, I was 10 minutes late to this blind date at Los, Los Margaritas in Hastings, Minnesota, and Roger, Roger and Myrna Eilers were there, and I was really hoping it wasn't Peter Molnar, because that would be so awkward that it's this youth pastor from a church that I used to go to, and I don't know, I, I just thought it was going to be awkward. Like, I'd rather have it be someone that I didn't know, and um, so I go in, and sure enough, it was Peter Molnar. I was like, oh, this is really awkward. Like, okay. Because Melissa had tried to set us up before. My grandma's tried to set up. So many people was just like, kept trying to set us up. Uh, so anyways, it was great. Just all the boxes were checked off, you know, as we sat there. Um, and yeah, then we got engaged in May and married in October. And then we're expecting a baby in June. So just all the fun things. Um, so, yeah, yay. Um, I was a little nervous because I was feeling a little nauseous before this. I was like, it's okay. Once you start speaking, you won't feel that way anyway. So we're good. Um, and it's true. I do feel good. So anyways, um, okay, so where does that leave me now? Now that we know where we're at. Um, am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I doing music? Am I doing missions? Am I doing my dream that I felt was put in my heart to go into all the nations to preach the gospel? Um, is that my value? And will I only be valuable if I do these things? Um, these are all questions that you have to ask yourself. Am I a teacher? Am I a worship leader? Um, am I now a wife? Am I now a soon-to-be mom? Where do I get my value from? And I think these are important questions to ask ourselves because we don't. <laughs> we don't always ask ourselves these questions, but we do everything from what our value is. If you think of money, right? Money has a value, and that's how it can buy something. So if you look at your own life, how do you see your value? Um, so what is value? And what does God's word say about value? How am I valued and where do I get it from? So the Webster Dictionary definition of value, uh, there's like seven different ones that I picked, but um, value is, the, and that's what I'm gonna be mostly speaking on today. So it's the monetary worth of something, the relative worth, utility, or importance, something intrinsically valuable or desirable. I had to throw this next one because it has to do with music. The relative duration of a musical note. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I just had to throw that in there because it's fun. Um, to consider or rate highly, to prize and esteem, 
to rate or scale in usefulness, importance, or general worth. And then some synonyms, cinnamon, just kidding. Synonyms would be appreciate, cherish, love, prize, and treasure. Those are good definitions. Um, Now, obviously, you know, the world gets their value from many, 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 many different things, but we know we get our value from God's word and from what he says. So I just found some different verses, and if they're not up there, that's okay. I told, I told Joy that there's a lot of them, so don't, it's okay if, if they're not all up there. And then she goes, well, what, what version are, do you have? I said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> All of them, yeah, whichever one I liked, so I'm so sorry. They're, they're probably not the exact version, so that's nothing to do with Joy. She's doing great. I just might go faster or something. So um, here's about eight different verses that talk about value in the Bible. Matthew 10:31. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Psalm 139, 14. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Um, This verse specifically was when I was dealing with my value in self-image. In college, I really struggled with body image and just all the negative thoughts. Um, It mostly had to do with perfection because I wanted things to be perfect and I didn't like that certain parts of my body were not perfect, right? They were flawed. Uh, And I think everyone has those things that they have to deal with. But that verse is what I would just speak over myself. It was that sword that I would use to come against that lie. Because I knew it was from the enemy. I knew that him, like, he was telling me to hate myself or to hate my body. Um, And so I had to say, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. and wonderful are his works. So if his works are wonderful, that means I've been made wonderfully. And that took like six years. It was just a constant with that verse. Um, But I can honestly say I don't hear those lies. And if they come, it's like, nah, that's not even. So using God's word when that lie comes is so, so important. Um, Acts 20, 35. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then I just put on there, he wants us well and to know our value and being confident in who he says we are so that we can be a blessing to others. If we don't value how he's made us, how are we supposed to value his children as well? Um, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This one really hits, I'm gonna talk about comparison and jealousy a little bit later, um, but talking about like competitiveness. I know not every person is as competitive as me, but I am very competitive with anything. I remember growing up with Melissa, my cousin, and I'd be like, let's race up the stairs. She's like, no, that's okay. I'm like, come on, let's go. And then she like, I mean, she's the oldest child. That was the same with my sister, Courtney. She's like, yeah, Kayla, go ahead. And I'm like, we have to win, beat everyone. So I have to watch that even in um, how, like, 
with my gifts too. Like, am I competing with my own gifts towards other people, um, trying to be better or trying to be the best? And I, if I don't think about it, then I'll just do it subconsciously because that's what I do in games, right? I try to beat you, I try to win. Um, so I have to watch that with, with life, with teaching, with whatever it is. Um, so doing nothing from rivalry or conceit. He wants us he wants us unified, and we have to count others as more significant as ourselves um, in that way. With humility, not, you know, it's humbly, yes, you are more significant than me, and I want you to do well, because um, then we all do well, right? 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought with a price, do not become slaves of men. I'm gonna read that again, because it's, oh God. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves, slaves of men. And I put, Jesus' blood and his life was given for your life. You were worth his life. If he, if he did it, that meant that you were worth it. I feel like sometimes we say like, oh, I'm not worth that blood, but he thought you were because he went up there on the cross. So you were worth his life, you were worth his blood. Um, every drop of it, he, d- he would never take it back. You were worth that price with that value. Um, he doesn't want us to be slaves to other people's opinions and their value of us. We're supposed to be free of that. So not just slaves of men like, oh, I work for men, it's more of like, are you basing your actions based upon how they value you. Um, yeah, we were bought with a price. First Peter 3, 4. It's a really good one. But let your adorning, and that just means making more attractive or beautiful, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. You know, we think about these young women, that that's, that was your prayer, that they would be the beauty from the inside out, and that's all of us as well, that gentle and quiet spirit speaks so loudly. Um, God, yeah, so precious in his sight. And that's the same thing that I was saying when, when I'm sitting there listening to you all sing, it was like I got a glimpse of how he sees us, like, Oh, so beautiful, such a beautiful bride. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure. He's pleased with you and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. He chose us in him. It's not on our own works that he's chosen us through Christ. And the last one, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. You can't work for your worth, you can't work for your value, It is a gift of God. He already has chosen you before the world was created and sees so much value in you, so much so that you were worth a high price of Jesus' life. You were worth the payment. Oh, is that just good to like, I need to speak that over myself every day, you know? Like, I am worth his 
His price, I am valuable in his sight. He sees Jesus when he looks at me. He sees holy and blameless. Like we, if, if we don't speak that over our lives, we're gonna take what the, what the world says about us and we're gonna take those opinions. And so we have to be, we have to be on guard, right? With that, with that um, full armor. Um, Okay, this is the truth. It takes time to believe. Takes time to believe. It is a process, right? So we're, it's a constant, we're like an onion layer, right? Okay, I, I worked through self-body image. What's next, right? Just one, one thing after another. Um, but he already sees us valuable. Do we really believe it? If we did, would we be thinking the thoughts about ourselves that we do each day? Would we be jealous or compare ourselves to others if we truly saw ourselves the way that he saw us? Um, when I graduated from ORU, I had a, a Oklahoma teaching license because that's just where I was, that's just what the, the program did. They made sure that you had an Oklahoma teaching license. So then over the summer, I got a job in Minnesota to teach. It was a substitute position and I needed a Minnesota teaching license, right? But I had already got the job accepted. So I had, um, I don't even remember exactly all the details. I just remember that I put in all my stuff for the Minnesota teaching license and was hearing nothing all summer long. And I would keep calling them every couple weeks, like, hi, have you, you know, got my stuff yet? Nothing, 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 nothing. And I just remember being like, Lord, like, I don't know what to do. I just feel stuck. Like, I can't do anything. I'm doing all my parts, but I, I, yeah, I don't know what to do. And so I think it was like a week before I was supposed to start my teaching job. They said, okay, yep, we'll send your stuff. I'm like, oh, finally, okay. So they send my stuff to go and I had to go to the Minnesota Education Department to drop it off and then I would get my teaching license, right? So I, I get it. Um, I think I was already missing, like the first day of my job, someone had to sub for me because that's how late it all was. So someone was subbing for me, who I was supposed to be a sub, and I go into the Minnesota Education Department, I'm like, here's my stuff, okay, I'm ready. Like, can I have my Minnesota teaching license? And they're like, we'll get back to you in six to eight weeks my job will be over by then. Like, it's an only an eight-week job. What do you mean? And so I went out to the car, and I just sobbed. I was like, Lord, what's happening? Like, I thought you called me to do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I just heard him say so clearly, it's because I only want you to find your identity in being my daughter first. I was like, I'm so sorry, you know, like, you're right, like, I was putting my value in this job title, I am now a teacher, you know, and, uh, and it just humbled me, and I remember to that, from that day, it's like, yep, and, and I, Jen Logan talked about that last year, I remember, um, talking about how, you know, we're so prone to, so what do you do? Oh, I am a this, no, what do you do? I do, you know, like, just watching our words that we put our value in what we do versus who we are first. We're his daughter. We're the daughter of the Most High God. Um, so that was a really, really big turning point uh, for me. And then I already talked about the body image. Um, 
And then what I'm going to lead into is talking about comparison and how that can diminish uh, the value. And so one of the th- one of the examples I'm going to give is um, our wedding. So. You know, you can go on anywhere online, and I feel like especially with Instagram and all of that, and just see all the best pictures, right, of all the most beautiful weddings, and right, you guys all know what I'm talking about. Like, if you're preparing for a wedding, uh, you have to be very careful to not uh, be overwhelmed by all the way, Katie's laughing, she's like, yes, I know, she's preparing for a wedding. So. Um, so I had this perfect image of how it was supposed to look. It was supposed to be an outdoor wedding. And it was gonna be at the Justin's house. Some of you are already laughing because you know the story. Okay, so it was gonna be an outdoor wedding. It's gonna be at the Justin's beautiful place. I love their place. It's a Hallmark movie. It's an amazing place. It's gonna be there and it's gonna be with the beautiful fall leaves, right? Doesn't it just sound awesome, you guys? Oh, it sounds awesome to me too. So, um, <laughs> so I had all those perfect pictures of how it was supposed to look. Okay, for four months, that was my image. All right, then the week before the wedding, the weather app says that Saturday, 32 degrees and snowing. <laughs> I think Peter wanted to cry for me, right, Pony? <laughs> it's like, oh no, what are we gonna do? Kayla's gonna freak out. Uh, and I did freak out, yes. Not good. Okay, so the Wednesday before our wedding, which was on Saturday, we had to uh, text all of our people and say, we will be switching our location for our wedding uh, to the ceremony at River Valley um, because they graciously opened it up to us and um, Kilkarni, which is a golf course in River Falls, it's booked probably two years straight. If you know anything about Kilkarni golf course, it's, everyone has their weddings there. It's beautiful, it really is beautiful. And when we were going through this turmoil of ah, um, our good friend slash caterer reached out to Kilkarni, was like, is there anything we can do for them? And he's like, oh, we actually have that weekend open. Yeah, and let's give them a deal too. Like, thank you, Jesus. So in the moment, it was actually really disheartening. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. This isn't my perfect picture. But that's because I was choosing to focus on the negative thing. I was choosing to value the wrong thing. And looking back, I can go, Thank you, Lord. Like, that was so, such a gift that everything worked out so perfectly. Um, You know, my, I had to go back to what were my values. My values need to be, we're celebrating the marriage of Peter and me, right? That's, that's the value of it, not outdoor wedding perfect pictures. That's where I was misplacing my value. So you can see how easy it is. Um, and you know, the, the verse Philippians 4, eight through nine, talking about what you focus on. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And this is the promise, you guys, the God of peace will be with you. That's a promise if we choose to think on those lovely things. So um, what can harm our value? Um, I'm gonna talk, yeah, this is where I'm gonna talk about jealousy and comparison. And I, we've been reading this really, really awesome book in our ministry training center um, with River Valley. It's so some of you, who's in that? Where, yeah, there they are. So uh, Tally and Zoe are in that. Rita's in that. Savina and Gwen. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I don't think I missed anyone. So you guys will know some of these quotes, but there's only six of you, so... And it'll be good encouragement, refreshment for you too. So um, it's a book called Heart of the Artist, but I know it can apply to everyone. Um, So jealousy, it is the feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements and advantages, trying to protect what you already have from a rival, and envy occurs over something you want that someone else has. Someone else has. Okay, so we don't talk about this very much. Uh, and he even puts in his quote, he said, "Most Christians don't know to, how to handle jealousy and envy. It's more like mm, shove it under the rug, pretend like I didn't think that." But everyone, we we all have those thoughts of, "Oh, that looks so much better than what I did," or "Oh, their house looks so much better," or that whatever it is. We there's always those thoughts, right? We have a, an enemy who's prowling like a lion to seeking whom to devour. So we know we all have this, but we shove it underneath. We pretend like it doesn't happen. Um, he said. Yeah, so we pretend we don't know how to handle it. Instead of bringing our sin out into the open and talking about it, we try to hide it. It's embarrassing and it feels petty. Yes, it does. To come out and say, I'm jealous of Susie, to admit that Susie is better than me. Uh, So not only are my feelings of jealousy and envy out on the table, but so is my inferiority. Inferiority. Thank you. Uh, Our weakness. Sorry, I need to not breathe, not breathe hard on that one. Okay, <laughs> all right, um, yeah, so that's like, ugh, it doesn't feel very good. So my thoughts on that are we degrade someone in our mind to make us feel better, <gasps> oh, I know you guys, it's so bad, more valuable because we didn't realize that we don't feel valuable or useful in that specific area. Ouch, yeah. A solution to this is allow the feelings of jealousy to be a flag or an indicator of a place that we're hungry or, or low-valued in a desperate need in order to be full. So let it be an indicator of, oh, okay, Lord, I'm feeling low in this area. Okay, what do you think about me in this spot? Many times we run to others to validate our feelings or uh, feelings of hunger or lack of usefulness. So now we're running to someone else's opinions to get that value. Instead, you guys, let's run to the Father. Let's repent for envying someone and then ask him how he sees us in that area, letting that truth fill us, letting it overflow. Our cup overflows in the presence of our enemies. If you think about a buffet, I love this analogy, I heard it from someone else. When you go to a buffet 
and you grab whatever you want and you're stuffed and then you see someone else grab whatever they want, are you jealous of what they grabbed? No, because you can just go up and grab it, right? You just go grab whatever you want. That's the same with the Father. He prepares his table before us in the presence of our enemies. So we just have to take that notice of, okay, I'm feeling low in that. Lord, I want more mashed potatoes. Help me in that area. (laughs) It's just a silly example, but you get what I'm saying. Um, Okay, so let your cup overflow, or your plate. No, it's cup. Yeah, whatever. Okay, let your cup overflow in the presence of your enemies and come out of that weakness only to be filled with his power. Find your value from his perspective and word. And that's biblical too. In our weaknesses, he makes us strong. So it's okay to have weaknesses. We do not need to have it all together. I'm weak in this area. Lord, I give this to you. Fill me in that area. I know um, one area I used to fill very in, I don't know the right word, (laughs) this kind of goes along with what I'm gonna say, very incapable of speaking in front of people. Well, that stemmed because when I was a little girl, it was really hard for me to communicate. I can actually relate, there we go. I can really relate with that. Like, I would say, mom, give me the example. I would say, cow, right, or what? Yeah, like I, look at the, yeah, they, my whole family can give you examples. And I had to learn to laugh at myself, like I'm not, yeah. Yes, okay, here's a good one. I was on a horse, and I got the horse up on this platform, and I took the stick, and I said, Mom! I wanna make sure I say it the right one. Yes, thank you. Mom, cliche, and she's like, you mean touche? I was like, yes, that's what I mean. So that's just how my whole life has been. It's been perfect with Peter. We laugh at ourselves all the time. But his is his second language, so my English is my first language. There's no excuse for it at all. But um, yeah, so I used to feel very like incapable to speak in front of people. And I remember someone asked me to come speak at a at an event after college, and I was like, oh, I'm so nervous, I don't wanna be able to speak. And I sat, I, I let it be a flag, an indicator, okay, Lord, this is where I'm feeling weak, now what does your word say about it? And I just Googled, Google's a great resource, what does your word say about speaking? And that's where I found verse, like, Moses really struggled with, with speaking in front of other people. Uh, and look at what great, amazing things God used him to do. Um, in the New Testament, it talks about the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak in moments that you need to speak. Um, like That's his truth, and we get to fill ourselves with that truth. Um, okay. okay, second quote. We can't bring ourselves to root for the fellow sister because instead of wishing the person success, deep inside we're wishing that they fail. So we can't truly rejoice with those who rejoice, which talks about Romans 12, 15, and do it genuinely. Oh, it's so bad. I know. Another thing. Another thing we do is turn against ourselves and devalue our own talents and abilities. Ah, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so that we might say. So, ways to deal with this jealousy and envy. First, First, we have to realize it's happening, right? Not shove it down, because we all know it's happening. And then confess it as a sin. Lord, I'm dealing with this, help me. Um, James 3.14, oh, I forgot to put down that. Let's turn to our Bibles and open up James 3.14, because I did not write it down. 
Did, oh, nice. What does it say? Okay, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. I think go to the next one. I think this, no, it is. Oh, um, one version says don't deny the truth. That's what I was seeing, yeah. So don't deny the truth. Go and confess it. That's, that's what it is, yeah. Um, so I'm not good at this. I like to push it under the rug and pretend I did not just think that. Um, so first con- confessing, this happened. I'm not gonna deny it. Lord, I give that to you and I'm sorry. Then appreciate your God-given talent. First Peter 4.10. This one I have in the NIV version. It's okay if you have it up there. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Then Romans 12.6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. So what has God given you to do well, to serve others? Make a list to appreciate and treasure what he already treasures and prizes and sees in you. You'll be more valuable to the body of Christ if you see yourself how he sees you because then you'll be able to serve others. If we're stuck at, well, I'm only jealous and comparing, then we're not gonna see the gifts and values that he sees and then we won't be able to serve others. You have to start with, how do you see me? Now I get to serve others with those values or with those gifts, um, with the grace that he's given us. Thank him for what you do have and the talents you do have, big or small, he's given them to you. So if you think about like forks, they have the ability to stab food. Spoons don't, you guys, you know? <laughs> Spoons can soup up broth, forks can't do that. So you need both, both of them. They're both very helpful. Or you can get a spork, I know that you can do that too. Um, Give credit where credit is due. That's another way to help deal with this. So the lie is God likes them better than me because he gave them more gift in that area. And then we end up resenting them and their blessing. But remember, he's, he promises that he doesn't withhold his goodness from you. He withholds no good thing from those who walk up righteous. It's just different. So the real, the real issue is faithfulness with what he gave us. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, talks about the parable of the talents. Um, do you have it up? You do? Yeah, okay. All right, we're gonna read through it because um, it's just really good. So, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who has called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you deliver me to five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. 
His Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And then this last verse. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you go back to verse 15, it says, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. What this guy talks about Um, in the heart of the artist is, you know, you can look at that as like, oh, well, that's unjust of why someone got five and someone got two and someone got one. Like, that's unjust of that person. Why did they get such a gift, you know, in speaking that great or in decorating that great or whatever it is? Um, But it says, according to his own ability, that each of them are different. It doesn't make one better than the other. It's just different. And I think we put that in our mind that, well, the one that has five is better and the one that has two is better. It's just different. It's not, it's to your own ability, what he has put you to be able to do, the fork versus the spoon. One might be heavier. I don't know, I've never weighed a fork or spoon, but they each have a different ability. So that's what he sees fit for you. Um, so he's asking us to just be faithful with what he's given you and then he can trust you with more. Um, an exa- another example of jealousy, actually, this is super interesting. I've never seen this example before with Jesus and Peter in their conversation um, where Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, feed my sheep. And then he asks him a third time, right? And then Peter's like, oh Lord, I do love you. So. Right after that, it says, then Peter turning around, so he's probably feeling a little like, like sad, or maybe ashamed or guilty of like, you know, I just denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus is asking me, do you love me three times? And I'm trying to tell him I love him. So Peter turns around and looks at the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, and says, um, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, that's John, because remember he leaned into Jesus, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So that's, that's John, he's, he's looking at. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, that, what is that to you? You follow me. 
So Peter's feeling maybe a little bit self-conscious, quick points out, well, you know, what about him? And Jesus like, that has nothing to do with you. What are you gonna do with what I've given to you? So being faithful with little, then we will be trusted with much. And then the last thing that um, can be a problem is comparing, and I've already kind of been talking about that, but comparison essentially is either making ourselves look better than we really are or making ourselves look worse than we really are. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 16 says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So that is where we have to know, am I the foot? (laughs) Am I an eye? What what part of, of the body am I so I'm not comparing myself, I'm not trying to be an eye when I'm really a foot or a, you know. Um, I already kind of talk about competition, so I'll move on. We need to discover our talents apart from others' talents. Discover who God made us to be and celebrate our uniqueness because that leads to contentment in him and security in him. A negative example we see of that is King Saul versus David, right? King Saul, um, he bases his, his value on man's opinion and how he, they're glorifying him instead of glorifying the Lord, where King David always sought to glorify the Lord. Um, and we see that in uh, 1 Samuel 18, seven and eight, and as the women danced, they sang out, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was furious and resented this song because he based his value upon what men said. Um, But a positive example we see of this is John the Baptist versus Jesus. When someone asked, I think, I don't remember exactly, but someone was asking John the Baptist about, well, I don't remember exactly the thing, but they were pretty much being like, are you jealous of Jesus? They didn't actually say that. I'm totally paraphrasing. I would need to go back and see exactly what it was, but he's being presented this with a question. And he responds, I am not the Christ. So he says right there, this is not my identity. This isn't, this isn't who I am. But I am to be sent ahead of him. So John the Baptist knew who he was and knew his purpose, and he was secure in that. It didn't shake him. So instead of wishing you were someone else, pray that you become all God created you to be. Pray for that person that you're comparing yourself to. Pray for their success. Um, You know, Jonathan and David, King David and Jonathan. Jonathan was the Saul. I had never thought of this. Jonathan was the Saul of King Saul. If anything, he should be so mad at King David because David's supposed to take his spot. Technically, the son of King Saul was Jonathan, right? And Jonathan was supposed to be the next one. Uh, and, and Jonathan and David ended up having the deepest of friendship in scripture is what we see. So move towards that person versus withdrawing, um, having genuine love, work together, not against, and learn from each other versus competing. Yeah, okay. Um, if you really, uh, yeah, da, 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 da. okay, 
So, last point. How does this help me and us to bless the church body and advance God's kingdom? There's a balance between valued and it's more blessed to be, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So, uh, we aren't giving up our worth by blessing others. We give from a place of being full of who we know we are. We are blessed to be a blessing and we have everything we need for life and godliness. Luke 6:38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God's kingdom is set up so that when you give, it'll be given right back to you. We don't have to withhold because of fear of losing our value. Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So if we lose our life in who we think we're supposed to be, then we'll find who he says we're supposed to be. Giving our lives for his kingdom and purposes is where we'll find value. So what is your value, and what specific utility does he have for you in the church body in advancing his kingdom? Romans 12, 4 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Another verse, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into holy, holy temple in the Lord. And it, I mean, there's so many verses that talk about being a unified body, doing this together. This isn't just about one person. We need each other. And that's kind of my whole point is that, one, we need to see ourselves the way he sees us. Two, that's, that's how we can start giving and serving the body of Christ. If we wanna see his kingdom advance, we need to see each person doing what they've been called to do, using that utility that, um, of importance that you have been made to do. Um, so, I had asked the Lord in closing, Lord, how do you see these women? And these are just words that I got. I mean, obviously I want you to spend time with the Lord and, and hear his individual heart for you. These are the words that I got as well. I got prized, perfectly loved, nothing missing or broken, pure, spotless bride, a royal priesthood, chosen. Those are all scriptural. Those are all things you can find in the word, but it's making it personal. That's how he sees me. Take time to journal and ask him how he sees you. Because this will lead you into, okay, well then how do you see so and so? Start hearing words of life, scriptures, encouragement for others. One verse, um, this is 1 Corinthians 14, one. 
Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So this is talking about when you get a word for someone, like prophecy, um, what does the Bible say about that, right? About prophesying and, and what is prophesying? So it says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For one who understands him but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to, the, to people for their upbuilding and encouragement. That's what you're doing. When you speak over someone, how God sees them, it's encouraging to them and it's upbuilding. And that's what we wanna do for the body of Christ is upbuild one another. Not be so scared and, oh, but I'm not like that or I don't speak that word like that person or, well then you're not seeing yourself the way he sees you. So start there. And then, okay, now you know, I, I can go speak what he's been speaking to me over that person as well. Um, re- start to replace areas of lies and replace them with his truth. When people share their struggles, you now have words of truth to encourage them and hope even to non-believers. Ask him how he sees you in the church. So everything we do should start from a place of, I am his daughter, I am his chosen bride, I am spotless, I am a royal priesthood, not I am the worship leader, I am that whatever, right? I am those things and everything flows from that. When we know who we are in Christ, we can be the body of believers he has made us to be. The pinky can be the pinky, the knee can be the knee. So when others come into church and are broken and are brand new to knowing Christ, we can be a blessing to them because we know we're blessed and we have so much to give because he has given us so much. So what is your value? What are you worth? You're worth his blood, you're worth his life, his death, his resurrection. You are worth that. Now don't let anyone take that value. I'm gonna end with this, and this Peter actually gave me this, it's really, really good. Okay, so this is the last, last point. Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, Herodians, however you say it, saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. They brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is on this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's, the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. So normally, when we hear this, we think of paying taxes, right? That's normally what we think of. Well, here's, here's the point that talks about value to end us off. Christians often refer to this passage of scripture when the when the question of paying taxes to the government comes up. However, there is another point that is worth bringing up. The value of a coin was determined by the ruling government of Caesar at that time. He decided what value should be placed on the coin. That metal coin is worthless in itself. Kind of like a metal quarter coin today. 
Its worth comes from the fact that the ruling government, ruling king, has assigned its worth and value. As a valid uh, a validification, the governor, or Caesar, also imprinted his own face or likeness on the coin as proof of its value and worthiness. Similarly, the Lord is saying, render to God the things that are God's. We know from Genesis 1, 27, that we are created in God's image and likeness that he imprinted on you and on us. The scripture in Matthew reaffirms that your value, the way you see and value yourself, only can and only should come from the true value that the Almighty God has placed on you. So good, so good. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus for us to be made pure and spotless, a royal priesthood, taken from the curse of sin, taken from the pit of hell. You came for us, Jesus, and we get to remember that um, for, at this season as well, Jesus, that it came, that you came, and it started there with being born in a manger. We thank you for what you did for us so that we can live an abundant life, that we can bring blessing and truth to the people around us, to this dying and hurting world, that we would step up as the women of God that you've made us to be, as the daughters of the Most High King, that we would step up and be who you've called us to be, that we would not listen to the lies of the enemy, that when those comparison and jealousy comes, that we would notice them right away, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to notice them, and that we would let your love and truth Fill that void, fill that hungry spot. And I thank you, God, that there is so much more to come. Thank you for advancing your kingdom through us wherever we go. We want you to make us usable for your kingdom. Thank you for how you see us. Thank you for how you love us. And let that truth ring so loudly in our ears that we can't help but tell other people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.